0: Welcome back. You're watching Stock Picks and with us to unpack Brett Alchon and Brimstone is the Financial Mails, Mark this Mark, always a pleasure and a good afternoon to you.
1: Good afternoon. Nice to be here again.
0: Alright, Mark, uh, local is lacquer today. Let's talk about why you've chosen these counters.
1: Um, look, I, all th- I think all of them offer value, a consider- considerable value on paper. Um, in all three cases, that little trigger that's needed to unlock the value, just not there. So... Maybe if it, if someone can find one or is, it, it exists, then yes, there could be a good value unlock in all three of these stocks.
0: Let's start with Breit. They released a set of numbers today. So I'm keen to get your thoughts um, on the overall counter and then what's happened today with the the numbers.
1: Yeah, you know, look, Breit's are very, it's kind of a complicated company. When you think about it, it's got three investments. You think, why the heck is it so complicated? In fact, it's two big ones. And I suppose a small one in New Look, the fashion retail in the UK. Um, you know, so Premier's listed, so we get a valuation on that. I think that's understood. Premier looks like a pretty good business. Um, it, it seems to be doing fine. Uh, so a lot hinges on, on Virgin Active and the recovery there from COVID. So, if, you know, famously Brian Joffe said during COVID that gyms are yesterday's news. You know, they're probably going to not ever exist in the same format or the same viability. Um, you know, but I do track myself to, to gym, which is not too often. I must say the gyms are full the little kawaii restaurants seem to be quite busy so yes i I don't think the gym model's gone out the window entirely but i mean i can only speak for my little area i'm going to you know they've got operations in, in other parts of the world where it looks more difficult like australia i think the inner city gyms they are suffering um i think the uk have got some not the greatest leases so there are issues um italy is good but it's small So, yeah, I think the important thing is to look at Virgin Active and the recovery. So the the numbers they put out today, they said it made a 13 uh, million rand pound EBITDA. um, But the important number is that I think in October, which is after the year uh, or after the reporting period, they did 5 million pounds in EBITDA. So if we can be as bold as to kind of annualize it out, I guess we're looking at an EBITDA just under 50 million pounds which is not bad. It's not close to what it was in those pre-COVID levels, which I think was close to £120 million, somewhere around that. But it certainly does question the valuation that the market is putting on Virgin Active. I mean, uh, you know, it's, if you look at the share price now, if you took the, their valuation at half half their valuation, and you were that sceptical about it, you'd still probably get around to this, the share price. So it's a, the market is sceptical on Virgin Active still. And I guess with the debt levels in there, which have increased a bit, yes, uh, I can't blame people
0: also interesting, I think, uh, Mark, and I'm keen to get your thoughts on it, is uh, there have been analysts who've said that Virgin Active, well, at least in South Africa, has X-growth. Uh, you know, that's reached its capacity and that Virgin Active would have to look overseas for uh, more. You've spoken about uh, uh, Australia and UK as well as Italy there. And I'm wondering, uh, w- when we speak about uh, these EBITDA, this earnings that are there, uh, is it possible for them to uh, expand globally? And is that actually where Virgin Active uh, would likely grow better?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I think yeah, I think there's a Virgin Active in practically every town, in some little towns even too. Um, you know, they're all over the place. I don't know how much more you can expand. But I suppose there's possibility to do new format gyms, smaller ones, I guess. I don't know if they always work, and there are rival gyms in that space. I know they're looking at initiatives like Paddle and things um, – you know that, that could be quite interesting because that does look very popular. Would that would that add to the membership? I, you know, that's questionable, but let's see. So yeah, I, I think the number that they the important number they're mentioning is that they I think they're saying if they grow at nine percent subscriptions a, a year, um, and if they they their, their yield, which is just the leverage on the on the on the subscription base – if they can do that by five percent, they'll get to that number—that hundred and over a hundred million pounds. Um, you know, certainly if I look at the rating now, the market doubts that very, very much. It doesn't seem like a hell of a lot to grow by. It seems quite fairly pedestrian. But I think um, it's tough out there. I mean, it's tough in the UK. It's tough in South Africa. and Probably getting a bit tougher. So you know, what do you do? You, you you have to cancel your memberships to certain things. And if you're not completely addicted to German, it's just something you do because you're collecting points or something or just good to be there. Yeah, you let go on that, I guess. So it's, it's tough. It's a, a difficult one.
0: There have also been talks of uh, a listing or maybe a change of name. I'm wondering if that's, if it's time for that uh, or if market conditions should possibly be better.
1: Yeah, so the, uh, I haven't sat, sat through the latest great presentation. I did speak to the CEO today earlier, but the last presentation they made, in fact, it was the, the Ethos Capital presentation. Um, yeah, they, they, they were they were kind of yeah, I suppose confident of a tur- of a turnaround there, but uh, it, it's so difficult because those numbers are hard to read, very very difficult to read, difficult to work out how are they working out how they're going to get to that number. So again, I, I guess the jury's going to stay out on that for a while.
0: And then also keen about uh, the question of management fees. We've had some analysts also come on to say uh, that BRAIT was a bleeding, uh, you know, virgin active dry in terms of management fees. Is there an issue there with management fees?
1: Well, the, look, the management fees are, I suppose, for some people sort of quite stiff. I mean, they always take their cut. But compared to the previous regime, they've slashed them by a heck of a lot. But yes, in the back of the mind, if you invest in BRAIT, you're thinking, oh, I'm not earning much. In fact, my share price is going down, not getting dividends, and the value unlock seems to be absent. People are earning fees in the background. Jeez, oh, I'd rather be in that position. So yes, there, there might, there'll probably be a few people not, not happy about that, no, no matter what, even if it has been reduced, fees are always an issue.
0: Right, one worth watching for sure. Let's talk about Altron. I spoke to Verne Cap the other day, and I was feeling good and positive about uh, Altron and its future. And Mark, I'm keen to get your thoughts on this one.
1: Yeah, look, Altron's, uh, I guess it's do you call it a second phase of its restructuring you know the bytes unbundling and listing was very successful and did well um the second part seems to be taking a little bit longer in two ways the discontinued operations they i mean they've been up for sale for a while and have quite got a transaction they not doing well and they're dragging down on that earnings number you have got to strip those out to look at the proper picture but it's a bit of a distraction um you know to me you know. At the presentation, they said they weren't looking at a separate listing for, for Netstar. But, um, you know, to, for me, Netstar is the next value unlock opportunity. Um, and, you know, the tracking business and the telematics business, it seems to be coming right. Uh, if I look at the latest numbers, they are encouraging top line numbers. So they've, you know, they've grown their revenue line, their subscription base quite well, Um but that, of course, comes at a cost. So we saw the margin declining. I think it went to less than 10%, which is um, it's, it's quite low. You know, if you compare to, to Track or Carew, I think they're closer to 30%. I cool. think Netstar were 30% maybe 12, 11 years ago. So it's been a gradual, you know, it's really gone down. But, look, they have to invest for growth. They have to put those costs in, I suppose, for the moment. And hopefully – the top line will keep growing because they are looking at a medium term margin of 16%, which would give them considerable profitability. If you if you inferred the turnover, uh, it would be a much better looking business and possibly one that can be mobilized for corporate action.
0: What they also said uh, is that they're on the prowl for acquisitions and of course the right acquisitions while also trying to be on this uh, model, uh, simpler, kind of leaner uh, Mm. Altron. Uh, What kind of acquisitions uh, would Altron need to make at this point of restructure uh, when they are trying to eke out value from what is already in that base?
1: Well, I'm quite fascinated by the fintech division that seems to be quite vibrant and it's a little bit overlooked by the market. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there are opportunities there. Um, you know, uh, there's so many of those things around. Uh, that, that it's quite a fragmented market. There are opportunities everywhere. So I guess something there could happen. I mean, I, I really would like to see a deal at at Netstar. I think mm-hmm. there's a, you know, uh, I just think of something like Cartrack, if they did something there. I don't think they're you know, talking to each other or anything like that at this mm-hmm. point. But I, I think they've got to globalize... Uh, next are a bit more it's pretty much local locals very tough with african tracking and um, telematics market is quite competitive they don't have a huge offshore offshore exposure so there's opportunity there um so hopefully they can do something in that regard you know mixed telematics did that recently but they've got a much bigger offshore exposure so they would have you know understandably attracted an american investor it's a bit different at altron
0: What's also interesting about a car track is, I mean, they, they are listed in the U.S. And they uh, t- up their operations and threw them in Singapore. And I'm wondering if that hasn't also been a competitive, uh, given them a competitive advantage and being able to uh, diversify uh, globally. And they start maybe make, making having to make a bold decision. Maybe it might not be, uh, you know, moving offices or, or whatever the case may be, but really having to be bold uh, in order to eke out some growth.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, Cartrack, the listing in the US was good, and then obviously Singapore closer to their their real big growth market which is the, you know, the, the kind of in the east. Uh so, you know, that market's got huge potential and so it's good that they're closer to that. Um you know, N- N- Netstar would have got, uh, you know, I mean, I don't think they can really talk about an offshore business as such. I mean, they've got they've got some stuff, but it's not it's not massive as I say. Um you know, a separate listing would probably need a little more of that global critical mass. Um, I think before they could consider something, so they, they assume something's going to happen there. The you know the, the the big strategic partner is is VCP. They do these kind of deals. They're quite innovative, and they you know so maybe something will happen.
0: We'll be watching that one very closely, Mark. Let's talk about Brimstone now. Uh, a traditional holdco, I would say, and of course we know that uh, holdcos uh, haven't had a great time on the JC. Yeah,
1: no, Brimstone's been. <clears throat> I don't want to use the word bad, but it's just been. Has been a great space for quite a few years. Um, massive discount to its NAV, and you know, again, yeah, the assets have narrowed down considerably after the sale of their stake in in the healthcare business. It's now basically two uh, let's call them food companies, but they're essentially fishing companies. Um, so, Brimstone, I think, is uh, lost NAV was over 12 rand. I think the share is less than six rand. It's so a big discount. Understandably so. There are a couple of couple of issues. You've got Two assets, which um, do you hold on to both? You've got two fishing companies. The problem is trying to sell those companies. If you if you if you were going to sell them, how do you sell it? You've got to sell. the are very much restrictions about who you can sell to in South mm. Africa in terms of fishing companies. So that ties your hands. Then the other issue is debt. Grimsen's a lot of lot of debt. They've got two billion in debt. Um, so if they sold it, you on PT, which I don't think you want to do, it would that debt they'd be debt free and be able to do other deals would they do that through sea harvest the other fishing investment yes possibly sea harvest has got potential to be a broader food company it's got the dairy business already and uh, i think there are various opportunities even on the jac to expand that 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 uh, uh basket of food food groups food for food brands yeah um but i i guess you know If you look at Brimstone's um, structure, there are a lot of little investments, but and I mean I think these range from between 200 million to 75 million—not massive stuff like investments in Mm Stadio, equities, property, then a lot of unlisted stuff. Um, If you tally those up, you know you probably get to 1.2, 1.3 billion. So if they sold all those, it wouldn't kill all the debt, but it would certainly get their debt down. The problem there is that hands are tied. They locked into BE structures. You can't always get out of those quickly. You've got to sit for a certain number of years. Whether you can renegotiate some of those, whether some of those are coming to an end and you can cash in. Yes, uh, could be some leeway. But at the moment, that the debt is a bit of a strangle and the market's not looking too encouraging at Brimstone for a value unlock.
0: Uh, Mark, I'm actually keen for you to elaborate a little bit on those uh, empowerment uh, partner uh, limitations there and how, uh, who you can sell to and who you can't uh, sell to uh, and how uh, Brimstone uh, uh, got itself into uh, these kinds of deals. Was this the intention when the company was formed initially?
1: Well, look, when Brimstone started in the, in the mid-90s, that their, that their anchor investment was, was Oceana. It was their, I think it was their first investment. They got it at a preferential rate, um, and uh, they've been a long time shelter. See, obviously, they've been a long time shelter as well. So, as such, they're not tied to any BE structure, they're just genuine shelters there. They happen to be black empowerment shelters and they're known as a BE company. The issue with this fishing company is that you may, the way I understand it, you may not sell your stake in a fishing company, a company that is less empowered than you. So, now you've got to find another empowerment company that's as empowered as you. And not only that, you've got to find a company with the cash in them and the appetite to buy a fishing company. So really, the pool of potential buyers is pretty dry, mm-hmm. to be honest. Are they going to, you know, although, having said that, I think Oceana is a very good asset. I mean, Sea Arbus is is good asset with good potential. But um, I think there are difficulties in selling those businesses. Um, and I, I, I've i always suspected that Brimson might prefer to actually merge Oceana and Sea Harvest, as crazy as that sounds. And you think of oh, competition bells will just ring and go mad. Um, It's got, I suppose, there's some structural nuances that can take place. And I think it's, you know, a fishing industry champion of of Africa and uh, become one of the biggest fishing companies in the world. Could be quite an interesting um, prospect.
0: Very interesting. Uh, Before we move away from this one, also those Putumanati shares from Multi-Choice, we have M10, Zakelefuti shares. These uh, BE share structures haven't necessarily eked out the value in which uh, we had expected. Have have they marked?
1: um i think in terms of dividends being pretty stable good flows um yeah value wise i think uh, some of them haven't been great to be honest um and that's just you know i mean you've seen some of the underlying shares the way they've performed so it hasn't been brilliant let's be honest yeah.
0: now Mark, based on our conversation today and uh, all the value unlock that could come from these three counters in what order would you uh, buy them
1: I think this would be a chronological um, <laughs> kind of uh, ladder because I, I'm i assuming Eltron would probably move first on the value unlock, even ahead of mm-hmm. Um Then it would be Brait. And PrimaSone's a long-term simmering play, I think. So I'd keep them third, yeah.
0: And uh, our educational segment today is a lazy balance sheet. Mark, speak to us about this one.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> I suppose it, it, it's interesting to talk about this topic now, because we in you know, a Cycle of high interest rates. So <laughs> I'm not sure how lazy your balance sheet is. If you've got a lot of cash on it, people might be quite happy with that because you're earning a very decent, Mm -hmm. certainly market-beating return. Um, But in in, in normal times, when there's growth opportunities and when companies can use their cash better, people don't like to see a lot of cash on the balance sheet, and it's referred to as a lazy balance sheet because you could mobilize it for dividends, special dividends, share buybacks if your share price is low, and for well-priced acquisitions. Um, But as I said, it's an interesting point now to debate something like this because... You know, if I see a company with a considerable amount of cash, I'm quite happy to earn the interest and wait for opportunities. Um, so I wouldn't be blazing that term around at this point.
0: Oh, wonderful, Mark. It's always a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much for joining us today in StockPix. Thank you. Oh. And that was a Financial Mail's Mark Hassenfuss. Mm-hmm.